living word. I'm excited. But don't get mad at me. Look, I don't I don't I don't do eight o'clock often. But you might be mad at me today. But I'm excited though, because we family, right? So we're still in the wild. But sadly in the wild we pick up some habits. And if you're like me, I've picked up some bad habits. So my prayer is that your hearts are open to hear and receive that. Sometimes in the wild, even though we have a reason to, and I'll get, I'm going to open the scriptures in a second, we have a reason to, doesn't excuse it. So we're excited about diving into this word. I couldn't, we're going to backtrack a little bit. I know you're like, why? Why? Because pastor has picked the series, but he said, since I'm out of town, I get to pick from the wild scriptures. So now it's on me. What I want you to do is stand with me real quick as we read the Word of God. We're only going to read one verse, and then I will have you seated. It's going to start in Exodus 15, 22, and I know this seems like a lot of scriptures. We're going to glide in and out. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. This is verse 22 of Exodus 15. They went out into the wilderness of Shur, and then they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So the people grumbled at Moses saying, what shall we drink? Then let's go to verse 2 of chapter 16. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. You may be seated. Let us pray together. Dearly Father, we are excited about diving into your word. I, I pray that everyone's just as excited as I am about you speaking to us, but also having the word of God to correct us, even though we have the reason to be the way we are. That we have a history to say, hey, I deserve to feel and have the attitude in which I have. That it's been a year and a half, two years almost of COVID, and we have reason to have an attitude that has shifted so I do pray that our hearts are still receptive to your word as we delineate and honestly split hairs on your scripture and your word choice. But I do pray for my heart that my excitement won't overplay or over, ever overshadow the power of the word of God. That the word of God will speak for itself, therefore my personality or anything else that can get in the way will be removed so all people can see is the beauty of your scripture. That God has nothing to do with me. It has all to do with my heart because this is something I am convicted by. So I pray I preach from my conviction according to the study in which you have given all of us. God, I love you. I'm thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to ask you a simple question. How many of you have ever been on a road trip with kids? Okay. It doesn't even have to really be a road trip. Let's just get this right. Uh, it could be literally just going 30 minutes. Well, Houston is a road trip. How about we just lay that out? Okay. Going from Houston, going from the north side of Houston to the south side is a road trip. So if you've ever been in a road trip, you usually have children with you and they will usually repeat some similar words. So you can say this with me. Are you ready? Are we there yet? So as we get into this sermon, I'm going to lay out my own road trip. 
um, I'm going to get you to understand, are we there yet? Because trouble seems to follow us because we lose patience and we forget. Isn't it crazy that kids forget that they ain't driving in the first place? They ain't fighting traffic. They ain't having to press their brakes a hundred times. But they just sit in the back seat and relax, don't they? They don't, they don't really do anything. It's not like they are struggling through Houston traffic and hot weather, nothing. They just sit in the back and ask the same great questions. Are we there yet? But then I look at my God, and he's the one driving, and he's the one that is providing us and pressing his brakes so we don't get into certain battles, making sure we avoid certain wrecks in our life. But we decide to complain despite the fact that we ain't even driving the car. We decide to say, are we there yet? I don't like this road trip, even though the destination will benefit all of us. Even though that God is still in control, even though God has a destination that he wants to get you to, how is it that even though his presence is still there, we are impatient and become grumblers even though we ain't doing nothing? So my prayer is today is that you will stop asking, are we there yet? My prayer is that you will enjoy the trip. My prayer is that you also know that God is going to get you there safely. So what do you have to worry about? So while we go into our road trip of trouble following as always, my prayer is that you will also follow the road trip of my life. In Exodus 15, 22, you're going to get into the still the same point. We're going back a chapter. Because right after, before you even read the text, if you go up about 10 to 15 verses, they were actually singing the first praise song ever. Hear this out. It gets good. Because they were actually singing and giving God glory because God was just victorious at splitting the Red Sea and killing all the Egyptians. So how can you transition, is the word you should be asking, from giving God his glory to giving God your grumble? But then I say, hey, we're not all, I don't know, separate from this, aren't we? Because we'll leave Sunday only to complain about Sunday dinner. We'll leave Sunday only to get in the same argument you came in here with your husband or wife with and go back into the car and get in the same argument. That nothing has changed in your attitude. Even though you just gave God his glory, your glory then turns into a grumble. So therefore, don't separate yourself from the sermon just yet. Because right here it says, and it starts off, it says, they started to travel after their worship song. And in the midst of their travel, you would honestly say that they weren't actually wrong. If you were traveling in the desert, in the wilderness, in COVID season, wouldn't you expect to be something, at least have the right to complain about something? But let's read it together. Let's start in Exodus 15, 22, and then we'll, we'll, we'll and you're going to see this very well. I'm going to delineate the word complain and grumble from what you're allowed to do. I have come to the conclusion that many of us don't have the accurate definition of the word grumble or complain. Therefore, we often say things like, I can't complain, which means you just ignore reality. Or you internalize everything only to have more of a burden because you won't vocalize what God has given you the liberty to do so. So today, my prayer is that this sermon only liberates you, but it also convicts you. Watch this, verse 22, then Moses, watch these words, these are important, led. 
You're like, why is that important? Because he's been leading the whole time. If he has been leading the whole time, let's get Jesus's track record since he started leading. He just did the Red Sea. He just did the plagues. He's going to, he already won the battle. He's going to win the battle. Every time Moses has led them, what happened? Victory. Nothing has happened. They've never been without. They've always made it. So if you see the word God has led you, do you even have a right? The only time that you should be concerned is when you lead in yourself. The problem, however, is that some of us complain about what we lead ourselves into. The problem is that many of us are not following leadership of the Word of God, not Pierre Canning's, and then you get into a situation that now becomes your number one complaint. And God is like, yeah, I've led you into the wild. I allowed COVID into this, this country and all over the world. It, it is here. But I never led you into what you're doing. I never led you to have the attitude you have. I provided for everything. If living word, if I'm not mistaken, we're here right now physically in church or if you're not in line, but we have made it here. And people have had COVID. Let's not get that mistaken either. People have experienced death in this season. So I'm not saying you don't have, watch these words, the right, and we'll get to this, to feel the way you feel. If you're being led correctly, you should have no complaints because my God will never leave you in the wrong direction. But he will lead you, watch these words, from the Red Sea, they went out, he will lead you into the what? Wilderness. Now, you're like, Pierre, that, sh that word shouldn't matter either, but guess what it does? Because the wilderness in this situation was dry, desolate, had canvases and caves and had everything that you would think would make you what? Not want to be there. Oh, this is important. Because you would, the only way you shouldn't complain is if God leads you where you like it. When many of us don't complain is when our finances are right, our marriage is right, our home is right, our kids are perfect. That's when everybody's like, get God glory. Mm, that's that rock, the holy rock. But I'm not talking about God leading you where you want to go. I'm talking about, it says, he led them into the wilderness. And if I were to define the wilderness, what did I give you? Desolate, dry, it was a desert. That means they, you wouldn't want to be there. So ladies and gentlemen, I got news for you today. Sometimes God leads you where you don't want to be. But it doesn't give you the right to do what they do next. So even if you don't want to be there, it doesn't mean God is not there. And even if you don't feel like you deserve to be there, don't forget God just saved you from what you didn't deserve in the first place. This is important because they just came from Egypt. They deserved that. The reason why they're in the wilderness is because they had to escape what they deserved. So, but if you lose the mindset of why you're in the wild in the first place, you got plenty to complain about. Meaning you forgot why you were saved in the first place. Some of our complaints, which we'll talk about in a second, come from the realization that you forgot what you deserve. Oh, but let's get there. So we, it says that they went to the wilderness, they went three days and found, watch these words, no water. Now, I told you I would give you a little bit of my road trip. I pastor for some reason I loved it that my best friend still best friend to this day named David Pham 
David Pham was one of my best friends in high school. Pastor said, hey, you can fly to California. And then my friend asked me to help him drive home. So I flew to Berkeley where he was, smart guy, not me. And I stayed a night and then we took off. We went to L.A. But what, there was a problem. I, he told me all about his cars because he's really into cars. But when he picked me up from the airport, it wasn't the car he described. I got nervous. So I said, hey, bro, where is your car? He said, bro, slight problem. My AC went out. Now remember, the road trip from California to Texas is 30 hours. I grew up in a situation in society where we were blessed with this thing called air conditioning. I'm also going to give you the wild of this trip. In order to get from California, which I know we have a lot of truck drivers in here, to Texas, you have to use this street y'all all know called, or road highway y'all all know called I-10. I-10 goes from California all the way to Florida. Okay, y'all are with me so far. The problem is there's no detours to cooler states. So where does I-10 take you with no AC? Arizona. Remember, this is May. New Mexico. West Texas. This is when I knew we was in for it when I saw there are no cops, but there is an airplane overhead getting your speedometer. I was like an airplane. They would fly over. That's how much we were in the desert in the wild. So I said to myself, I deserve to be upset. So let me give you my road trip. We didn't talk to each other from California. You know when you cranky cranky? You know when you hungry? Anybody ever get that hangry where you just don't talk to nobody? That's how I was. Bro, you could have told me this. So I'm, what I'm trying to say is that they had a right to feel the way they felt. Three days, no water. But also, if you look at the historical context, guess what they did have for a little bit? Guess why they started to get concerned? It's because you would fill up your skins with what? water. But now you have to feed your animals, your kids, there's millions of people. Now they're running out of what? Skins worth of water. But when they started to run out, they had a right to get a little anxious. Now I'm using that word correctly. They had a real right to be concerned because if you go back to my sermon on anxiousness, they didn't have that right either. But let's keep going. They had a right to be like, uh-oh, we're out of water. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand something. You have the right to be concerned but you don't have the right to do what's next. They had the reality. Hear me out. They had the reality to notice they didn't have water. So let me stop here for a second as my people who I love. Stop ignoring reality because you, you think you're complaining. Reality is just reality. You ain't got water, you don't have water. You ain't got AC, you don't have AC. Stop walking around with this high and holy pitch. Please. Stop telling me, oh, God is good. You know you said. <laughs> now, God is still good. I'm not saying he ain't. But just by you recognizing you ain't got water doesn't make you less holy. Just by you recognizing your kids ain't where you want them to be doesn't make you less appreciative. So how about we at least recognize that sometimes we ain't got water? And no offense, it comes with some saints who've been doing it a while. 
Those people who have learned how to bottle it up and put on a good safe face around here at church and then tell people I can't complain. But doesn't that ruin brotherhood when somebody can't admit they don't got water while somebody else will be able to give it to them? But let's get off. That's not this sermon. So they had a right to feel the way they feel, but they quickly forgot why they were there. And they quickly forgot who put the water in their skins in the first place. And they quickly forgot the water, watch these words, that God just manipulated so they could pass through. This is important. In the midst of your frustration or even the recognition of the lack of circumstances in your life, don't forget who manipulated and who is in charge of what you are now complaining about. So let's say you look at your bank account and it doesn't look the way you want it to. Doesn't give you the right to forget that God is the one who dropped that random money off or check off in the middle of your time. God just literally made a east wind come in and split a whole sea, which is water, and it's wet. You would think if they ran out of water that is wet, you would say what? God, do it again. Manipulate the water again and fill these skins. But sometimes we, we put God in our box. And then we complain about a God that never was supposed to fit in a box that you created. Oh, this is good. You've got to hear this one. We complain about human circumstances to a God who is not human. So why in the world are you complaining if you see a God who doesn't function according to human circumstance? But let's get into the word because you're like, Pierre, move on. I get it. When they finally got to the water named Mara, verse 23, they could not drink it. So you think about it. Now, just bear with me. If you finally get there and you get, you start filling up your skins, you take a good drink. Y'all ever tasted soda when the syrup ain't right? Now, some of y'all nasty, you like that little bubbly, nasty water. <laughs> but when you go there for Sprite and it come out as whatever that is. So I want you to imagine you just finished doing all hard day's work and you go, you hit that fountain drink and you think it's going to be something and all of a sudden it comes out as that nasty bubble water, that carbonated stuff. The syrup ain't right. Now I want you to envision they ain't had water in three days. They finally see it, but it's bitter. And if you look at the Hebrew word for the word bitter, it means brackish or even too salty. So that means they couldn't drink it. So they would have a right to do what? I don't know. Maybe be like, okay, God, you led us to water. But this water ain't even right. So guess what they start doing? So the people grumbled. Now, this is going to take me a second, but it's going to lead in, and I'll, I won't have to say these definitions much, but the word grumble is different than what you think it is. Let me take my time right here. Grumble means to waver. Hear this out. Grumble means to I guess you would say, let's say you were here with God. And the moment you see your circumstances, you start to waver with God. Grumble is, grumble is the lack of belief that God can do in your circumstances what, you, what he knows he can do, which you are now starting to doubt. Uh, to summarize, grumble is a lack of faith that makes you to complain because you're not sure what he's going to do. So therefore, you start to complain about where you are. Grumble is you saying, God, I'm not necessarily, mm, I'm going to go over here. Better yet, 
Grumble is you saying, God, you're not God. Because you're not doing what I want, when I want it, and I can't see the results. See, it's not the recognition that is there. That's not the problem. So if you don't have finances, you can say, hey, man, it's a tough time. That's nothing wrong. It's when you see your bank account and say, you know what, I ain't going to church. God ain't done what he's supposed to do. Therefore, my faith ain't the same. Hey, I ain't going to love my wife when I get home. She ain't changed. I ain't going to change. Grumble. So therefore, when I pray, I'm not crying out to God, which will get out to next. I am complaining about her, which will change my what? Attitude and faith. Because if you knew that God can manipulate water, even though you recognize it's bitter, you should be not complaining about it. You should be asking God to do something about it. Complaining also is a symptom of what? Not asking God to do something, but just sitting there and complaining about what he hasn't done. Hear this out. Complaining is you seeing what's happening, not going to God to fix what is happening, but just talking about it. Now, how many of us have been here where we talk about the circumstance, but we don't pray to God to do something about it, and if he doesn't do it in your three-day timeline, you keep talking about it. But if you believed in God, you would give it to him, and then guess what you would do? Rest, stand, or keep moving what? Forward. Faith is the absence of action. So if you complain, I can tell you if you're grumbling or you're not because you won't move until he does something. Faith is me saying, it's a reality, so I keep moving. All right. Come on. Oh, it's not done yet. Grumble gets deeper. So not only is it a lack of faith, Watch these words. It's an act of rebellion. Oh, this one, even the root of it means rebel. That you know God, but watch these. This is my favorite part of this theology. It's a rebellion against his liberations. Liberations means this to be set free. So therefore, what he's saying in the scripture theologically is this, is that I know that God has set me free, but I am finding something that he has not done, which then eliminates all the things he has done. So instead of remembering God's faithfulness to where he is in your life and what he's done to get you here, i.e. Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sins and splitting a Red Sea so you can have promised land material, not i.e. you would want to say, God, I appreciate your liberation. Complaining is you saying, I forget about the liberation. I'm only focused on the current. So therefore, I rebel against, I grumble against the God who has now liberated me. So in reality, there's not much to complain about, but there is a reality that you will live in. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you have the absence of problems. You just have the presence of God. Lip, complaining is saying, I forgot about the very presence of God, and all I am is focused on the fact that I got problems. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, it seems like y'all getting it. You would think, though, that after this circumstance, they would stop. Watch how many times this word is repeated. Exodus 16, 2, 7 through 9, verse 12, 17, 3, 14, 12, 27, and 29, 16, 41, 17, 5, 10, Deuteronomy 1, 27, Joshua 9, 18, and in Numbers. How many times are they not going to get it? So then I ask you the same question. How many times are we not going to get it? Let me ask you a second question. When's the last time your complaining got you anywhere? Calling the same person to say the same thing. 
This is when you know if you had a camera of the other person picking up the phone and the moment they see your name, they're like, ugh. Y'all been there. When that person called, you know they finna say the same thing. Now we gotta pick up that phone now. I'm not giving you no excuses. Some of y'all like Pierre said, I ain't have to pick it up. They need to take this to God. No, I didn't say that. But what I am saying is this. We've all been there. So what do you think God sees you when you call? And you pick up the prayer line. And God's like, wait a second. You going to complain again without doing nothing? So you're telling me your attitude's changing against me? And I'm the one that liberated you? The last thing I'll say, which I just hinted at, is that it changes your entire attitude. That you don't want to worship no more. You don't want to read your Bible no more because God ain't came through and made your water sweet yet. But watch, watch the switch. I told y'all I was excited. Watch the switch that comes next. What shall we drink? Then, this is Moses, he, lowercase h, did he complain to God? What does it say, ladies and gentlemen? What does it say, 8 o'clock saints? What does it say? Then he cried out. Did he grumble? Whoo! Look at the Hebrew text and how it switches the word. Moses didn't complain. He cried. So therefore, I'm asking you, ladies and gentlemen, my 8 o'clock saints, the ones who wake up early, the ones who get up at 7 at the crack of dawn to be at church. Do you cry or complain? The difference is so beautiful because one removes God and his capability of doing what he's going to do. The other says, God, I cry out because you're fixing to do something. The other says, God, I, all I can do is cry. Watch what it means. Watch what it means. It's beautiful. It means to shout and ask God for his deliverance. The other people were saying, God, I, I rebel. I, I can't. And it's going to get worse when we get to the next chapter. I don't even know if I'm going to have time, but you can see it get worse. Because complaining then leads and bleeds. We'll get to that. But Moses says, God, I cry out. So then I ask you a simple question. You are allowed to cry. So stop being this hard, hard-nosed Christian. You are allowed to cry out for God for help. The reason why some of our attitudes are so bad, ladies hear this and men hear this, I want you to get it. The reason why some of us are so hard-nosed, the reason why some of us don't love well, because you ain't cried out in a long time. You are a bottler. You bottle everything you should be giving to God. Some of us haven't asked God for deliverance yet. We just keep complaining about is what I'm saying. So instead of you saying, my wife, my wife, my husband, my husband, you saying, God, deliver me. I'm not saying deliver me from her. Help me be what you've called me to be. But watch what God does when Moses cries. You notice he ain't moved yet. Oh, you better, be, <laughs> you better pray that you have a leader who intercedes for your complaining. Yeah. 
Oh, this is important because you had to miss the theology. Because God's not done using sticks yet. When Moses cried out, the Lord, watch these words, showed him a tree. <laughs> Your complaining, my complaining will blind us. But when you cry out and you say, God, I need deliverance. God will show you a tree. Now the tree, I read so many commentaries on this. So many people were like, it must have been this kind of root of a tree that just needed to be placed in the right sort of water so the mixture would make it sweet. You're missing the point. If you could throw a tree in some water that is salty and it becomes sweet, that is not science. That is a miracle. So I'm asking Living Word Fellowship Church, my 8 o'clock saints that wait up at the crack of dawn to be here, I'm asking you, when is the last time you said, God, I need some deliverance so you could throw a tree in my bitterness? Because my God is good for it. That he could throw a tree that doesn't belong into your bitterness. The problem is some of us still bitter. I can tell. Because when you talk about the same situation, you become more and more bitter, don't you? Some of us still caught up on our ex-husbands, ex-wives. The moment they say their name, it becomes salty water. Some of us, if I flash back to high school right now, you fixing to be bitter. I never got the experiences I wanted. It's time for you to say, throw in the tree, God. Some of y'all still complaining about your wife, and I'm not asking you to complain about your wife. No, I'm saying, God, I need you to throw in a tree. But here's the beauty. He could have made it just, watch these words, he could have made it just drinkable. He could have made it Dasani water, not Ozarka. You all know Dasani water is tap. But he says, nah, nah, nah. Nah, nah, nah. I'm not just going to make it drinkable. I'm going to make it sweet. Hear this out. And some of the things that you're complaining about, you ain't even seen God change it from just drinkable to sweet. So therefore, I ask you a simple question. How many of us need our marriages, our singleness, our children not to go to drinkable, not to go to livable, to go to sweet? Because I want you to know something is that my God is in the God of a God of making things sweet again. So I don't care if you've been married 15, 30, 40 years and you're like, Pierre, there's no way this woman or this man going to be sweet again. And I'm telling you, no, 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 you don't know my God. Because my God doesn't just make things livable. He makes it sweet. But let's, let's move into the next part of this text. I, got, I don't have much time. I told y'all I was too excited. Then God says, watch this. There he made, still in verse 25, for them a statute and regulation. There he tested them. Oh. I'm going to give you a tree. But then I want to see who you really are. So I'm going to give you something to live by. And let's see if you're going to do it. Here's the beauty of God. God didn't stop the deliverance and test them first. Hear this out. God tested them after he blessed them. Have you ever noticed... 
that some of us may be failing the test of our blessing, not necessarily failing the test of our negative. Hear this out. This is important. Many of us say when we're in a bad circumstance that that's God testing us. Have you ever noticed when things are sweet in your life, that's the same test? This is important. When everything is good and you start skipping church, that's the missed test. When your finances are right, when your marriage is tight, when your kids are living right, when all these things and there ain't no fights, but all of a sudden you become complacent in your faith and you start thinking, oh, it was me who did it. I'm a good husband. I'm a good wife. And God's looking at you like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're failing in your blessing. <laughs> because he says, I'm going to give you statutes. means I'm going to give you rules and regulations. I want to make sure you live according to. Then I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to give you a judgments that I want you. Regulations are judgments that I want you to live by. But then he uses the word test. And it says test is what? To determine people's intentions. Ah, it's to show you who you really are. God wants to see your very character. But then you'll learn, as all the scriptures I repeated, I told you I would get back to. What did I say? That they didn't learn or passed their test. Because every time God provided or they ran into another circumstance, they complained again. But this is not all about the complaining that he was testing them about. He wanted them to see if I bless you, will you live by what I tell you to live by? Remember, I told you your blessing can become your test. And he said, if you will, watch these words, give earnest heed. That means to give careful attention to. To the voice of the Lord. Now, this is a test. He's telling you what the test is. Because sooner or later, they're going to go to what? Mount Sinai, and he, they're going to get the what? Ten Commandments, which will be from the voice of the Lord. So not only is this futuristic, it's present. He's saying, will you listen to me now? Will you give special attention now that I've turned your water from bitter to sweet? Will you recognize everything I've done so therefore you will give earnest attention and heed my voice? Can I tell y'all something? God's not done talking to you. But some of us aren't giving earnest heed to it. The difference between hearing a sermon and paying careful attention to are two different things. Can I, can I, I'm going to lay this out for you. You're just... Pierre Cannings is just blessed to be here. The difference between being present at church and listening to the voice of the Lord is not Pierre's voice, because we all know my voice is too high-pitched to be God's. Is that when somebody's preaching, teaching, life application, you are so in tune with God speaking to you because you're excited about that he made your water that was bitter turn sweet. I'll give you a very quick story. My daughter, I said, what would you learn at church today from uh, Pastor Jordan? And to my surprise, I brag on her. I thought she was going to give me some rhetorical or what she learned because she's a very quick, quick learner. She pulled out her notepad and started to read. She took notes without me asking. But sometimes because we've been in church our whole lives, we stop saying, God, speak to me. I want to hear your voice. So therefore, I pay special attention to. 
I write down things that you're convicting me in the middle of the sermon. I take a journal of everything you've done so I don't lose sight of the fact that you have made some water sweet in my life. I write down my, write down my prayer requests so I can also write down when you answer them. Hmm, moving on. And do what is right in his sight. And give ear to his commandments and his statutes. You see how many words he used to make sure that you were obedient? He wanted to see what the Israelite people were and who they were. And just for the sake of time, at least let me get to this next part. Because trouble followed them again. Because now they had water. Skins are full now. So you would think if the skins are full, everything's good. How about this? Well, not only did we not have AC, then we get to Phoenix. We eat at Subway and we go watch Star Wars. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you the straight up truth. I love my best friend to death. I don't like Star Wars. You can kill me later. For those who are like, hey, I'm a Star Wars kind of person, that's great. I love the fact that you love stars and wars. I don't like it. So not only did I have to watch his movie with no AC, then we had to eat at Subway, and I'm not a big fan of Subway, but it gets worse, ladies and gentlemen. The trouble continued to follow us. This man lost his wallet at Subway. Now remember, there's this thing that we all need to get from California to Texas. It's called gas. Gas that ain't feeding no AC. So I had to call my dad. Dad, I know you gave me a gas car for when I'm traveling back and forth to college. Can we use it to get home? And dad did this similar breath I've heard a thousand times. <sighs> I said, dad, this is not my fault. He lost his wallet. The problem was, you could say, well, then go back and look throughout the movie theater. We were already in New Mexico. It was over. So I should be complaining. And we'll finish this story at the end. But just know, for the record's sake and for the closing illustration's sake, it was hot, we're in the desert, and we don't got no money. <laughs> then he says this, verse 16, let's get there fast. Verse 1, then they set out, now they're back out. How about this? Can I read 27 with you real quick? Just, just, just for the sake of it? Because I want you to see something. It's going to make sense. Then they came to Elam where, watch these words, there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms and they camped there beside the what? <laughs> so he turns bitter water, hear this out, into sweet water at Mara. Then he camps them where there's, there is a plethora of water. Because he's what? Leading them. So you would think if you see God lead them to bitter, now sweet water, then he puts you by rivers of springs of water in the middle of a desert where you don't know where you're going, but a cloud is telling you where you're going. You would be content. But no, it says they were in the wilderness of sin, verse 16, verse 1, in between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month, this is important, it tells you how long they've been in the what? Wilderness. It's been a while. They're in their months now, even though they're going to be there 40 years. 
Watch verse 2, and I got to go fast. Last time we read the scripture, how many people were grumbling? It said they. <laughs> verse 2 says what? The whole. The whole congregation, which means the assembly of everybody who's there. Now, this is what I, ladies, this is not even a part of the sermon, but ladies and gentlemen, I want you to get this. Your, our complaining, it rubs off. If you, if you have a negative personality, or let me use the word, a, a complaining personality, then, you, then we look at our kids and we say, they always complaining. If you now say, hey, the only reason I'm complaining because I'm detailed. Don't get mad when your kid's the same way. When they can't see the blessing of where they are because all they can see is the negative. They can't see God's faithfulness for the month. Here's the thing. I gave you a timeline. You would look at the timeline and then a human perspective, you would say, Dad, it's been a long time in the desert. Mm -mm. From a godly perspective, you should say what? Wow, it's been that long with millions of people and God is still providing for millions of people? Oh, wow. But they didn't see it like that. So when you look at your marriage and y'all ain't divorced yet, you shouldn't say, man, I'm good. You should say, wow, God, we got in that argument six years ago? That was a backbreaker. And we still here? Wow, God, you still good. But the problem is, it starts to rub off. And the same people you complain about now become your complainers. And the same person you used to complain about is now complaining about you. Because a negative attitude is going to rub off, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I'm trying to get you to understand. And then it says the whole congregation uses the same Hebrew word, grumbles. I don't need to define that again, but this one gets worse. We're only going to do two more verses. But I want you to understand how bad it can get. I wish I had time because you're going to realize they grumble again in about a couple more verses after this verse. They grumbled again, Moses and Aaron again. Now you're like, Pierre, they didn't grumble to God, they grumbled to Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron were the representatives of God that they knew God was using to what? Provide for them. So don't excuse their behavior saying, hey, they didn't, they didn't complain to God. No, they knew that Moses was the intercessor and Aaron were the intercessor to God. So don't, don't excuse their bad behavior. Now, it ain't that. Then the sons of Israel said to them, watch these words, y'all. Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt? Now they're hungry. Now hear me. Read this with me. I told you God's words more powerful than Pierre Cannon's. Watch this. They didn't flash back to slavery. And then said it would be better for God to have killed us than to be hungry? Where did they just camp by? Springs of what? What was now sweet? Water. So you don't think God going to give you what? Food? But complaining and attitude and rebellion is blinding. When you get here, even your past starts to seem sweet. Here this is important. What God saved you from 
is sometimes what we return to or think it was good. Because what we'll start saying is, man, my ex didn't do it like this. Man, there's the reason why it says ex. <laughs> we'll compare our present circumstances, our lack of, to watch these next words, what they're now going to exaggerate about. Because they didn't say, hey, it would be better if we died in Egypt. It, it, that's already bad in itself. Because that's like you saying, I would have rather died in my sin. It was easier that way. But then they exaggerate the issue just to make a point. This is important. Because watch what they say next. When we sat in the pots of meat... When we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us into the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. We would have rather died in Egypt where we were full than escape slavery. Think how dumb you got to be to say that. But complaining will make you say the dumbest things. Now we've all been there, y'all. We complain about our current car because we're looking at another car. Not realizing our car paid off, even though it don't run great, but it's paid off. And forgetting that God was a God that gave you money so you can pay off that car. And then we'll complain about the car when God's saying, no, 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 you don't forget, you forgot. And now we start wanting a car that ain't ours. Only to get in debt again. Or we start talking about past relationships and past experiences. And then we exaggerate. They said pots what? Not like they had something to eat. They did. It's obvious. They said full. That wasn't true. Because you can look at the historical context and you would know that Egypt wasn't giving them like that. They weren't sitting down kicking and eating meat. This wasn't a campsite. They were fed to work. They weren't given the best of the best. They, weren't getting, they were getting drinkable water. They wasn't getting sweet water. If we ever get here together as a church, we'll stop forgetting the fact that God delivered us from that church to this church. We'll start complaining about this church. We'll start complaining about the people in the church. And then we'll start complaining about the people that God has called you to lead in the church. All because they're flawed. And guess what we are? What's new? I'm just trying to get you to understand something. People jump from church to church because they complained about the last church. Only come to this church and realize this church ain't perfect to complain about this church. What I'm saying is your past is always going to have a complaint. But if you don't move past your complaining and realize your blessings, you're just going to find something else. Here's the problem. You can always find something else. Because when your wife fixes one issue, you're going to find another issue. Because you're never satisfied. This is the, probably the most beautiful part of the sermon. Because you would think that God would be like, you know what, die then. I'm serious. That's why God, Pierre Cannings is not God. I'd be like, big bet, all y'all die. Because the last time I checked, I can create humans out of sand and breath. I don't need you. I can create a whole other nation, make a covenant with a whole other people. But I'm choosing to be faithful, watch these words, to people that are not complaining about my faithfulness. Because I should have left you. Here's the weirdest thing of the, the, the complaint. If that's how you really feel, I should have left you in Egypt. 
Bro, sometimes, sis, sometimes our complaints are that ignorant. Because if you think about what you're really complaining about, it's the opposite of what you want. We're complaining about a wife when you know you don't want another one. You complain about your husband knowing you don't want another one. Y'all seen some husbands out there? <laughs> Verse 4. We're closing with this one. I'm going to say it. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm trying to hide it. Some of y'all have taken some phone calls. You're like, ooh, I'm glad it ain't my husband. Y'all been there. <laughs> you know when you start to thank God that it ain't you? But then you start complaining that it is you? Mm. But watch these words. Then the Lord said to Moses, <laughs> behold, watch these words, please. I will rain bread. <laughs> God didn't say, I'm going to give you some. I'm going to rain it from heaven. This doesn't make sense to me about God. You would think that a negative attitude would cause a negative reaction. But God is so faithful to his covenant that even your complaining can't stop him from providing. Like, just think about the beauty of that. We have complained for 30 years and God is still saying, here you go. But it's not coming from the ground. It's not coming from Moses. They didn't have to go hunt for it. They didn't have to go look for it. I'm going to rain it down from wherever you are. You don't even got to go look for bread. It's going to come from heaven. To the point when they describe manna, they don't even know what it is. That, that, that's what's crazy about the story. They're like, yo, what is this bread? They've never even seen it before. Because when God makes something for you, he makes it for you. <sighs> then the people shall go out, watch these words, this is important to your complaining, and gather a day's portion. <laughs> if I was God, I'd say, hey, you better save up. <laughs> you better get, you better, hey, the fastest one there, them old people probably in the past. Eleven o'clock service going to be quick. Mm -mm. Guess how much God rained down for? A whole day, but for every single person. Now, here's the beauty of the verse. Who was complaining? But how many of them? All of them. So you would think that the people who maybe didn't do it that day would get the bread. But all the people who complained are now getting, watch these words, a daily portion. That means it wasn't good for one bite and they still hungry. That means your portion was full for an entire what? Day. So some of us are looking at our bank accounts and God's saying, you're missing the point. You want a savings account, but you're forgetting the daily portion I'm giving you. You're forgetting that I, you, you, got, you got everything that you need for today. See, the miracle is not in your savings account. The miracle is not in the fact that you got a, a, a 401k and that you know you can retire in two years. The miracle is that every day you've been living, God is raining down bread on your life. The problem is that we're complaining about futuristic things when God has given you in your present. You lose sight of your daily portion. But it gets a little bit better. But he tells them, 
I will only give you a day. So there's, there's beauty in the other side that say God's going to give you a day. But then he said he's also going to test them to see that they'll only collect for a day. Because when people get desperate, they start doing their own provisions. Oh. I want to see if you trust me. I'm only going to give you enough. Do you trust me? Oh, this is Pierre's problem. I told you I was excited. Every day that I will test them on whether or not they will walk in my instruction. How many words did Tommy use the word test? I'm going to give you, but the giving is the test. Will you only take what is for the day? If I were to read a little further, he even gives them how to collect before the what? Sabbath, because you're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. And he gave them rules and regulations on how to collect or not collect, excuse me, on the Sabbath day. Will you do it? That's like God coming to you and saying, yeah, you're right. your, day, your week wasn't perfect, but every day you made it because my grace was sufficient. But will you follow my instructions and still come to church when you barely made it through your week? Will you still read your scriptures even though you don't feel like it was a great week? Will you still say, you know what, God, I trust you for the day, so therefore me and you are going to have a great relationship today, even if I'm sending the same email to the same boss and nothing has changed, I still trust you enough? The problem is God is faithful to the faithless. Because if God treated us how we treat people, we all would have been dead in the desert. Let's get back to this heaven part. He wanted them to know there was only one source. It didn't come from nowhere else. You didn't hunt that down. That was me. I don't even know if we're going to do it. Because it might become redundant. Can you just look at verse 8 and I'll close. Moses said this will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat. Because they were complaining about what? They only had bread. It doesn't get better. Verse 7 says, In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your grumblings against. And what are we that you grumble against us? Quail was coming too. So now they had Subway sandwiches. So let me finish the story. We don't sleep. We're miserable. I'm traveling as, as many African Americans never should travel. I got a tank top on, some Nike shorts, no socks. I look like I should be arrested. And my best friend, he's of Asian descent. He's Vietnamese. He gonna make it. We ain't talk to each other, especially after the subway and the no money. <laughs> so my ignorant self sees a sign that says, welcome to Texas. I sit up in my seat and I say, bro, we're here. And he was like, Ha-ha! we got 12 more hours. 
Now remember, we getting like 90. I just learned how to drive stick to get and help him drive home. Figure how jerky that trip was. <laughs> but then here's the problem. Remember, the trouble was following us. Not only am I filling his tank up with gas, thank God he had a Volkswagen Golf. And it was cheaper days of gas back then. But it was a lot of money for my dad. Yeah. But then we got to Houston. Here's the problem with Houston, ladies and gentlemen. And you think you get out of the desert and you get into a city. That's a great environment to be in. But guess what we hit? And guess what time we got into Houston? Five. <laughs> in the summer of hot and humid Houston. That means not, we weren't even getting a breeze. When you go in 90, you might catch a good breeze. When you go in 2 and 5 and 10, you ain't catching nothing but hot, humid, nasty, humid weather. This is how I got out of my car. I said, all right, bro. Slammed the door, grabbed my bag. We didn't talk for two days. Now, we, we laughed about it three days later. I was like, bro, we didn't talk to each other. That was the whole point of the trip. We drove 30 hours straight. But well, watch this. If you lose sight of the fact that you had no AC, then you miss every single miracle. No tickets. Going 90 miles an hour. Never fell asleep because we were too hot to fall asleep. We made it 30 hours on the road with no wrecks. And then I got to call my daddy who had a gas card who can get us from Phoenix all the way to Houston because he had a reservoir on a, on a shell card that we can get from one place to the other. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that you can call your daddy. It doesn't remove the fact that you are traveling with no AC. You're still in the desert though. It doesn't remove the fact that somebody who was supposed to provide for your life can't provide no more. Now you got to call on your daddy. You got to cry out and say, we ain't got no cards no more. But when you get to that point, God gives you your what? Daily portions. We are now saying, hey, we're going to make it to the next gas station. We may not eat. We may not talk. But we're going to get home. My God is saying, hey, man, I've got you home. So instead of you not talking to each other, you should be enjoying your trip. Instead of you being bitter about your circumstances, you should be glad that you got Subway so you can have your daily provisions in the first place. Because when I slammed that door, I also walked into another one, and that was called Daddy's House. What we're forgetting is, is that when you slam that door thinking everything is now over, God is the one who got you to your Daddy's House. And that was going to be the promised land. Let us pray. I pray for everyone here. I tell you what. My prayer for everyone is that we will check our attitudes at the door. What you came in here complaining about, 
will now be over. That you will not complain, but you will cry. So this is what I want for this altar call today. And not to be a little bit more briefer because I, in Pastor Kenny's absence, I did a Pastor Kenny's. If you're saying, Pierre, you know what? I have been complaining. But not crying, just complaining. And today you're saying, God, I want to give it all to you. This desert has been wild. I lost my job. I've lost this. But I forgot about your daily portions. I forgot that you're providing and I've been dwelling in my past or what it used to be. But not realizing that God is taking you to what you, not your past. He's taking you to your future. If that's you today, I'm not asking you to come. You can come to the altar and say, God, I'm going to cry out today. But if you have had an attitude of complaining, now remember, the difference is you can realize and have a realistic expectation and a realistic understanding of your life. That's fine because you have to live in this life. You have to know that you need water. That's fine. That's the, wasn't the problem. The problem was your attitude about not having what you think you need. Today is an attitude check. So I pray for you today. But when Chris sings, I just want you to come and say, God, I give it all to you. I want to change my attitude, change my complaining. I want to change my bitterness. And I want to live in your provisions. This is for you. you say, Pierre, I don't feel like walking, but I want to stand where I am. That's fine. Thank you for those who walk down here. If you're saying, Pierre, my attitude has to change towards God. I've been complaining about everything, but not realizing his provisions. I just want you to stand where you are. And it's not a forced move, but I want us to all be honest because we got to start crying instead of complaining. We do. We have to get to a point where our attitude towards God is, hey, you are faithful even when I'm faithless. So one more time for those, if you need to stand rather than walk, we understand that.
For those who are standing and for those who are here at the altar, I want to pray with you. This is not, this is between you and God. So my biggest prayer for you is that this sermon goes home with you. That the things you've been complaining about and repeating and affecting others and all the things that has been in your heart, that today is a day where you cry, you continue, you move forward, but you don't rebel. So I'm going to pray with you now. And I'm also going to pray for myself. Dearly Father, we thank you. Because you are still God, even when we complain about you, against you, that you still love us, you still rain down manna from heaven, that you still make water sweet, that you don't just make it drinkable despite the fact that we are bitter. So God, I do pray for the people that are standing and the people at the altar that they will be able to give it out to you. They'll, they'll realize their circumstances. We're not asking them to ignore it, but they'll give those circumstances to you, that they will be able to say, God, this is all yours. I know you can make it sweet. I know you can rain from heaven, but I trust you to do so and give me my daily portion according to, my, according to what I need, maybe not what I want. God, I love you today. I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being here. I want to get you to Life App on time, but we always do three things here. One, if you don't know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and you're saying, Pierre, I, I can't cry out to somebody I don't know, and you're right. So if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you are not saved, I would love for you to see Pastor Lawrence or any of the leaders here because we would love to pray with you. The second thing we always say is if you're not a part of the church and you're not a member here, we always want to invite you to be a part of our church. It's not a forced thing, but if you like to see Pastor Lawrence, always there faithful, even on crutches, to my left, to your right, right by that same pole, we would love for you to join Living Word Fellowship Church. Like we said, we're not a perfect church, but we're a church that is honestly seeking the voice of the Lord. Lastly, if you need prayer, come see the elders to my left or right. We would love to pray with you. We do believe in the power of prayer because we recognize that crying out actually does something so that God can reveal the tree that needs to go into your water. So we're happy about what God's going to do. And what I would love to do is just stand together and let's close out our worship service. If you don't mind, Chris, lead us in song and then I'll close the benediction.
saying, Thus you shall bless his sons of Israel. You shall say to them, Let the Lord bless you and keep you. Let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Let the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let the word depart from your hearts and be a life or living word that changes people's lives and yours. Amen. Y'all have an amazing Sunday and worship on your way out.